from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reebstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measured Thoughts on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dave Reebstein, Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School. And I am joined once again in the studio by my co-host, and that is Ph.D. candidate of marketing and business ethics, Sunil Betty. So welcome, Sunil. Glad to have you back here again. Glad to be here, Dave. Glad to be here. Um, I know you've been spending so much of your time watching the World Cup. You're, you're such an addict to that and everything. That's really addictive. I'm a huge fan. You're a huge fan indeed. So I've been watching only a little bit of it, only mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think it's interesting to see who it is that are um, – who are this year's sponsors. Actually, one of the things that I think we ought to ask our uh, our listeners is, can you name – without looking without it up, looking, without yeah, looking it up and cheating, can you name sponsors of the World Cup this year? Um, I think it's an unusual group. It is. It's definitely an unusual group. And we can – I don't want to give it away to, to, to the audience Well, yet, what, what's the character of it that makes it unusual? It's more uh, – it's a lot more Asia and Russian than it is, than it is uh, European and American. So are, are the sponsors – they're not – it's not like there's a U.S. sponsor for U.S. broadcasting – and a European sponsor no. or a French. No. When you're a sponsor, it, you're the sponsor. You're the world sponsor for the FIFA World Cup. And so a lot of companies have, were pulling, have been pulling out uh, because of the recent uh, – uh, uh, you know, kind of problems with FIFA and a lot of the the corruption that was exposed. And so it's been moving away from, you know, the standard kinds of sponsors to, to more – a lot of Chinese sponsors, a lot of Russian sponsors. So why aren't they pulling out because of the corruption in there? I think they're I think they're looking to get get on the global global scale, right? To get get their brands out to uh, 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 to the west to like you know the more to the west coast, basically to get it to Europe, to get it to South America and North America in a way that they haven't been able to. So you know, one of the things I spend a lot of my time thinking about is the brand of a nation and and all this nation branding. Oh effort. yeah. And this might be a, an opportunity for those countries through their brands to help do some of that. As well as the countries themselves through their soccer teams. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, th- I think a winning soccer team helps build the brand Absolutely. Uh, of, uh, of a country. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see what, uh, what, the, what the listeners say about, about, their, uh, about the sponsors and see who, who knows. See, see if they can name any of those. I, I think that's really good. Um, we're going to spend more time talking about that uh, in the second part of this program. Absolutely. But actually related to it is uh, is our guest today. And so we have a very interesting uh, guest with us today. That's Matt Beretta, who happens to be the vice president of Lenovo's global consumer marketing for PCs and for smart devices. So it, it's both. Mm-hmm. And so we need to understand what smart devices Lenovo has. Uh, Lenovo is one of the world's, you know, top PC brand. For quite a while, it was the number one uh, PC brand. I, I'll be interested to see if they're still holding on to that position. Um, but we're going to be with Matt in the, in the first part of the program. In the second part of the program, we then will take any questions that people have about marketing, about 
World Cup sponsorship. Absolutely. We'll hear what it is that people have to say about that. And any other thing that people might be interested in. But before we begin, let me remind our listeners that you're listening to Measured Thoughts on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. You can give us a call at any time on 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at biz, that's B-I-Z Radio 111. But let's get started with Matt. And so Matt Beretta who is the Vice President of Global Consumer Marketing for PCs and Smart Devices at Lenovo. So, Matt, welcome. Glad to have you on the program. Hey, thanks for having me. So, um, just to get us started on this, give us a little bit of, about your background and how uh, how you got to your current position at Lenovo, which sounds like you're, you're the head marketing guy. Uh, no, not quite that, but uh, yeah, I do have... Uh, uh, marketing responsibility across all of our consumer products, everything except for uh, phones, which we run through a different division. So I've got PCs, tablets, uh, AR, VR, so augmented reality, virtual reality, and uh, smart home devices that we'll be bringing to market. So, uh, so um, phones are the only thing you're not responsible for? Correct, correct. So we actually have uh, our Motorola uh, brand in business group that we uh, we were bought as part of an acquisition, and we're running that uh, as a separate business group at this stage. So different uh, path to market uh, as part of the drivers for that, so different channels in which you drive those products through, as well as just uh, from a development side in that we run that a little bit separate than we do the rest of our consumer products. So I'm going to want to understand that a little bit uh, better, but uh, let me understand your background and how you got to where you are. Yeah, so uh, my background, I've uh, worked in kind of the consumer electronics space for uh, over uh, 20 years now, so I worked for Philips Electronics, where I started back in the uh, the good old days with uh, VCRs and TV VCRs. And really, at that stage, I thought I was going to, you know, just be a, a rich man because I was also picking up the DVD category, which was one that you could just really tell was going to be right for the marketplace, and uh, it did. It volume flew through the roof. Um, the challenge, of course, and good learning experience was prices at the same time drove down as fast as possible as it quickly commoditized as a category. So it was great from a uh, very good learning experience from me and uh, how to really turn a business uh, to be able to drive profitability out of it during you know very quick market-changing dynamics. Uh, so that was kind of where I started with Philips and DVD recorders, uh, super audio CDs were some of the categories I had. Um, then I moved over to Lexmark International, sure. where I managed uh, printers on a global basis. Um, and then from there, into, uh, then I moved over to Lenovo, where I've been responsible for um, SMB, so with our small, medium business line with ThinkPads, and then on into the consumer space. So you just said ThinkPads. You, you mean... Uh... You mean notebooks or? I uh, ThinkPad is a brand of. Oh, you're think, the ThinkPad think that, that uh, Lenovo acquired. Correct. So yes, uh, quite some time ago, uh, Lenovo actually was at that point. It was actually Legend uh, was the company, and we were selling PCs just out of China. And then we acquired IBM's uh, ThinkPad business at that time, and then really we changed our name to Lenovo, and we moved from being a regional brand to a global brand. Uh, that we were selling both consumer and commercial PCs globally. 
So I want to pursue some of that for for a second there. It, it turns out that uh, in that acquisition, which, by the way, it was a huge acquisition. I think uh, uh, Lenovo or Legend at that time spent $1.75 billion to acquire the ThinkPad division. And and um, and, and I, I have contentions about what that was all about at that time. And you acquired the IBM ThinkPad division. What actually was it that uh, that Legend was acquiring? Well, I mean, that was getting us, uh, you know, I mean, the big key was moving to, a, to be a global business. Uh, so we had, of course, uh, engineers that understood the market, salespeople that understood the market. Uh, so it really allows you to be able to open up to a much broader global community as opposed to trying to build all that organically uh, through an acquisition. We were able to be able to get to, you know, broader reach in a quicker span of time. Um, it gave also, um, you know, uh, ThinkPad was seen as a very strong brand, and of course, uh, being able to have the credibility behind the durability and reliability that comes along with ThinkPad, to have that as part of our, uh, to bring that into our DNA was was great for the company from a learning perspective as well as from a global reach perspective. So we try and play that through all of our all of our products, and so I mean, right now we're. You know, we just recently launched um, real aggressively into the gaming space, and so we just launched at E3 last week a whole new set of laptops, desktops, and uh, devices that you know we're bringing to the market to really make sure that we understand the gaming audience. What are they looking for? And then you try and innovate and uh, bring to them a solution that you know that connects. And so that has what's that's what's allowed Lenovo to get to number one in the category, which. We had for a number of years. We've lost it recently, and uh, we anticipate, we believe we'll have that back by the end of the next, uh, you know, in the next 12 months. We should be able to get back to number one with some of the other moves that we've made. So I thought, uh, I, and I often talked about this in my classes and various lectures, sort of comparing what it is that Lenovo was doing in trying to build a global brand and a global presence versus the, the what LG was doing. And I sort of viewed it as you did it through acquisition. Um, it cost you $1.75 billion in that acquisition. LG was doing it organically. And and I think, as you said, it was so much faster for you to be able to do do it and to buy an established brand. And, and, and to me, that was just absolutely um, intriguing to see this sort of natural experiment that was going on. When you say you did it to go global, I think part of what it is you were doing is buying a brand that was already recognized um, on a global basis, and that was the IBM name and the ThinkPad name. And and my understanding, uh, I would dis- yeah, I would go, disagree with you a little bit on that. So we okay, good. We never bought the IBM brand, right? We never you rented no, it. You rented it, didn't no. you? No, not at all. Not at all. We we rented. We definitely bought the ThinkPad brand, but there was no IBM ownership that we ever really had in that brand. Um, and so, I mean, definitely ThinkPad is what we were. Yes, we were leveraging the the strength that that was established. That look of the IBM product had been established. But I mean, keep in mind at that point, IBM was struggling with the business, and that's part of the reason why they were getting away from it. Right. right? No, that, so no, what that, Lenovo that, was able to do was really build and turn that business around to now be, you know, number one in the commercial space. So, uh, so Matt, I may be wrong. I thought the contract was that you could use the IBM name for up to three years, and you could own 
the ThinkPad name. Am I wrong on that? So we did own the, the ThinkPad name. There was a transition of the of the IBM. Right. You know? So, I mean, obviously right. you had products in market. You had products already in production. So it wasn't as much that we were trying to buy into the IBM brand at all. It was more of, you sure. know, your, your product designs in this category are locked, you know, 18 months in advance of, of before that product ever shows up in market. So it's more of channel management and getting that product sold through that's already out there in the market yeah, more than trying to, like, rent the IBM brand in any way. Okay, so that's that's absolutely fascinating for uh, for me to hear, and I, I appreciate that correction on that. It is... Um, you know what I think what it was, and again I'll be interested in you uh, correcting me on this. That the primary thing that you were buying was the ThinkPad name, because my understanding is Lenovo was already manufacturing the ThinkPad for IBM. So you had the manufacturing, you had this, you had the components, you had the know-how, and what the primary thing that you were acquiring was the ThinkPad brand. Is that right? Uh, no, I, I mean the brand is a big part, but like I said, that that knowledge of the customer, that's that's a lot of what we were buying, right? The sure. understanding of who, who these commercial customers, the salespeople that know those accounts and are selling into those accounts, we're acquiring them. Also, it's it's very different to just build a product versus design a product, and there was a lot of resources we brought in as part of that design product, you know, process as well. So even from a within most consumer electronics today. There's a big part of innovating and design and developing and creating those products well before you actually go to make it, right? So there, in many cases, people may outsource the making of the product because it's really about, you know, you've got to get the right ingredients, right? It's that sure. value proposition development. Make sure that you understand what that audience wants, needs, what do they value, and then combining those ingredients into a way to make a excellent dish, right? So if you think about it from a chef perspective, it's not just, hey, I can grab a bunch of ingredients, throw it in a bowl, and it's going to taste great. You've got to find out what are those ingredients that that person is looking for, what type of taste do they want. Do they want spicy? Do they not want spicy? And you've got to try and make sure your ingredients are always right. So no, no, that, I know, think, like with our I, gaming product, sure. we spent a lot of time on that of trying to understand what are their pain points. And we found like mobility was a huge thing in gaming as well as designs the current designs in the marketplace weren't necessarily speaking to the to the audience of what they were looking for, and so that's kind of what we brought to market in this last round is, you know, being able to take our devices to make them more mobile for the gamer, so that they could be able to move around with their devices easier, as well as we found a large portion of the audience that wanted a more modern design, not as something as much kind of kid-based with snakes and dragons and aliens on the front of it. They wanted something with that, yeah, but more of a modern look that they could take anywhere with them. So uh, so let me remind our audience that we're currently speaking with Matt Beretta, who is the vice president of Lenovo Global Consumer Marketing for PCs and for smart devices. And and Matt, you're, you, you sound very energized about talking about the gaming part of what's happened, and I understand you've introduced some uh, some new devices that you, you mentioned were just introduced at uh, the E3. So, so what is this? What's it mean to be producing product that is gaming? I assume you're not doing gaming consoles. Um, so what is it that makes a device a gaming device? Well, you're seeing a lot more. The gaming, you know, industry is is growing in a lot of different spaces. There's consoles, yes. There's gaming on smartphones, and then a huge kind of area of growth right now is gaming on PCs because they can offer even 
better graphics and performance capabilities uh, on a lot of those games that are that are being offered that are you know game developers there's some that are doing very basic games and there's others that are doing sophisticated amazing you know character development and graphics development in these devices are uh, in these games that really require a robust engine behind them to make them work. So, uh, yeah, we spent a Oh, it just seemed to have lost him in the middle, but it's, it, it's very intriguing to think about creating devices that are specific to gaming. Yeah, I think that, you know, we think of Xbox, think of PlayStation, we think of these, these video games that, that we play that I grew up with. But we've moved to these these platforms, and these platforms are PCs. And I think that this is a huge it's a huge market. You know, it's a really huge market. And what I'd be curious, Matt, are you are you, are you back with us? Yeah, I'm here with you. Oh, yeah. So I'd be really curious, Matt, to to hear about how you are marketing these new products in comparison to how you would market, you know, a standard a notebook. You know, you think a notebook is going to be useful for consumers, maybe a student, right, a professor. Um, but I got to think that the demographic, the the types of uh, the types of people, and where they go is very different for for gamers. And so, how do you think about marketing to gamers versus marketing to you know more uh, uh, standard consumers? Yeah, sure. Even within that, I think you know we even cut it a little deeper as to you know what's the level of gamer that you are because games have penetrated so much of cross society. Of so, is it just I want to play? Um, where I want access to a lot of content? Is it that I really want to win? You know, am I playing this game because I really want to be competitive and, and being able to win? Or am I at the enthusiast level where I'm looking to dominate, I'm looking to be the absolute best of the best? That, of course, drives even tiers within gaming products. Um, you know, how do you reach that audience, though? It, it is much more of, you know, I mean, trying to reach them where they live is, of course, one, you know, tried and true marketing strategy of, you know, definitely we take advantage of events, of influencers, of esports, as, as a couple of unique paths or more unique paths versus just a traditional audience. Um, you know, we rely heavily on reviews, uh, regardless of whether that be a uh, traditional PC or a gaming PC, of those influencers, those people that have credibility within the space to be able to say, yes, this is, this is a great product, this is great for its money, it has these capabilities that, you know, would be great for this type of usage model. And, uh, you know, those are some of the things that we will always try and attack is make sure that our voice is being heard and is being, you know, hopefully uh, supported by, you know, the voice of others in the marketplace. So, so what do you spend on to try and, and have an impact on reviews? You know, Sunil asked a great question of, you know, how you market differently. But I'm trying to figure out what you spend on differently as you're, uh, as you're in the gaming space. Well, I mean, most of our investment, we focus primarily more on the digital space than we do necessarily uh, television, as an example. Sure. We're not necessarily going off after, you know, the broad audience. There's, you know, you can be more targeted, and digital allow you to be very targeted with your investments to better be able to reach that audience. So, you know, we'll do focus group studies as well as we've done ethnography and, and broader-based research to understand who is the profile of the buyer that we're going after. And then we would apply that to, you know, attributes that are available to be able to fine-tune and, and narrow in of, well, where does that person live? And what is the profile of someone at an E3 event 
versus a Comic-Con, as an example, or versus a PAX West, or versus a Consumer Electronics Show. Each one of those is pulling in a different audience, and we would invest accordingly to that audience that best matches up with the person we're trying to reach. So, and are you able to do that targeting by buying on, like, uh, Facebook and Twitter, or, or what is it that would be your Absolutely. medium? Absolutely. So we'll use, we'll use some of the social handles, like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we'll also leverage into uh, profile, you know, uh, Twitch, as an example, which, you know, more video content around the gaming space, as well as YouTube is, is a very strong channel to be able to reach that audience as well. Um, you know, that, that's also available out there in the marketplace. And, and you've got me puzzling about this, trying to think about gaming and the way you've described it. Are, are you working on any of the software as well? And are people developing software specific for your devices? Or, or where do you draw that line? Uh, so we do have um, some exclusive arrangements that we're able to work through that we may have exclusive access to content um, or we may partner with some people. So actually Disney is a great partner of ours that together we brought to market Star Wars Jedi Challenges as a um, as a you know as an augmented reality experience first of its kind in the marketplace. That you know really that one we kind of jointly work together to be able to introduce that product. Uh, we do develop some of our own software for our gaming devices. Uh, such as Lenovo Vantage, which is a system that allows us to, you know, manage overclocking and gaming specifications specific to those PCs. So it kind of depends on uh, we're not investing, uh, we're not writing a lot of our own games, uh, but we are trying to bring solutions to market that helped us to optimize the system and performance for that. And then the hardware that you're producing, is that hardware that could function just like any other PC but also has some some capabilities to uh, – to handle games better. Exactly. So, uh, yes, there's you know there's different use needs that that different people have. So I may be really mobile, so I want a thinner device. Um, someone else uh, for business meetings, as an example, with our ThinkPad line, we focus a lot on durability and reliability because we know those are for people that are always on the go, greater chance of dropping it, knocking it, those type of things. And so we do a lot of military grade testing that we do there. Now, within the gaming space, that's not necessarily as big of a focus for that audience, but they may want, you know, keys that all light up. So RGB, you know, multicolor coded uh, keys. Thermals are huge in the gaming space because that allows me to optimize my gaming performance and actually driving it to its maximum. And so that's where you look at your feature set, right, and you've got to then align what features are possible with this audience that I want to go after so that you build for price points for some customers that it may be more price sensitive and for others you can load in more features but it's not just a matter of throw every feature you got onto a device you want to make sure that you have the right features that are going to connect with that audience and ones that they're willing to pay for so some folks are more interested in uh, one set of specs versus the other based on how they're going to use the product uh, you know is it great video performance is it great audio performance um, is it more that I just need, you know, horsepower to be able to drive data calculations? Those type of things are all things that we consider as we build our devices. So you just blew by me. When yeah, so it's you, really when doing when research you, and you, insights. You, you threw out that term thermals, and I was thinking about what I wear on cold winter uh, <laughs> nights before I go to bed. So with, with thermals, what, what the heck are thermals? Well, so within a computer, you're building up. You've got, you've got an engine that's working in there, right? And so it's it's there's, it's creating heat uh, right. within your laptop as, it, as the processor is working. 
and especially within the gaming space, you're driving the graphics really, really hard, right? Of very immersive images and that. You've got audio that's that's you know being able to go. You're responding to actions that the user is is making. So even first, like just watching a movie, right? You're interacting with it in in a very aggressive fashion. Where I mean, you're hitting the fire button ten times while you're turning, while you're looking up and and rotating around, while something is hitting you from behind. And so you've got a lot of different activity going on. And so that drives a lot of processing power in these devices. And so within the gaming space, there's so much heat in there. In the past, those have all run to be pretty thick devices just to manage that heat. And with Lenovo, what we've been able to do in this last year is we've really focused a lot of energy around that. So we've cut the size of our laptops basically in half and cut our weight in half, but yet still found a way to be able to manage all the heat that's within this device that you get for a great performance as well as you get for a comfortable performance where all that heat's not spitting out at you as the user and then you're just you know sweating to death while you're playing. <laughs> you want yeah. it to be a fun experience, right? You want it to be a great experience. Sure. So, so if I'm using your thermals, I don't need to be wearing my thermals is, is part exactly. of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You'll be cool and comfortable. Yeah. Uh, when you introduce the gaming devices, uh, all under the Lenovo name? Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so within Lenovo, we have a number of different sub-brands that we use based on different target audiences that we go for. So, as I mentioned, you know, ThinkPad is one that's really targeted at commercial users. Our Legion brand is really focused on gamers. So, through and through on the IDs, the the, the, the specifications that we put into those products, we start with the user set in mind, and then we build around them. So within our, our, our Legion products, as an example, you know, we found this need with, with folks that they really wanted a stylish, good-looking device, but they wanted all the power to be able to make for great gaming on the inside. So our mantra for that whole team of engineers was stylish on the outside, savage on the inside, as being what they needed, you know, so we had billboards, we have everything for those folks to kind of keep that at the forefront of their mind as they're building that product, that's what we need to deliver on. And then we actually have taken it so far that we've rolled that all the way in through our marketing campaign of that's who these users are. So we picture users that see themselves in a reflection, whether that be the mirror or glass window. And, you know, I look at myself and I'm wearing, you know, clothes that I wear to work, but yet when I look in that when I look in that reflection, what do I really see? Well I see an ogre or I may see a warrior or I may see a uh, a, a wizard, depending on what type of game do I play and, yeah. you know, what do I really like to connect with. And so that's how our users see themselves as well. Is this Gaming is a passion point for them. It's something they love, but they've got a, an everyday life too, right? And that may sure. involve, sure. involve kids or friends and, you know, other social activities that may involve school. But, hey, I also have this other part of me that loves to be this ogre or this sports player or whatever else. And that's kind of that savage on the inside. Let me re- remind our audience we're currently speaking with Matt Beretta, who's the vice president of global consumer marketing for PCs and smart devices at Lenovo. So, uh, Matt, I want to ask you about this. You, know, you, you, you mentioned that you launched these gaming products at a different brand. So how did you think about whether you wanted to have a sub-brand? How did you think about whether it's going to be Lenovo? You might You might think you lost a lot of brand awareness by, you know, giving up the Lenovo name, or maybe it's Legion by Lenovo. Or how, how did you think about that process? Yeah, that's always a, a tricky one. I could say we, we have a lot of discussions and debates on that all the time of, you know, do you put everything on, under one brand, or do you have 
sub-brands that represent these different audiences because it is tricky as a brand to try and have if you want to try and be number one in this space and you know that there's different segments of the market out there well can your one brand be all things to all people is is always a challenge that that we feel like we face um, so we have leveraged more of uh, our sub-brands type of model to be able to connect with those different audiences. So when we see a segment that we think is, you know, very unique in comparison to kind of the uh, our core audience, then that's when we do leverage uh, sub-brands for that. So um, the commercial space is one. Within the uh, the consumer space, we le- we leverage our yoga brand as kind of our premium PCs. Uh, across kind of our consumer space, and then we leverage Legion as particularly for this gaming audience. We leverage Mirage as a name that we leverage across all of our AR and VR devices. And why did you change the name of the company when uh, at the time of the acquisition of uh, of the ThinkPad division? Do you do you remember back or know enough of what what the motivation was there? Uh, well, really, we just wanted to present ourselves as a new company. Uh, okay. so we were more than just Legend, uh, which was just you know a Chinese uh, PC brand um, and kind of more regional-based, and we wanted to be something bigger and bolder than that. And so, I mean, now at this stage, you know, Lenovo, you know, being able to drive to number one in the PC. So we're number one in PCs and tablets in the, in the overall marketplace right now. And, you know, we want to continue to drive that. And so by establishing a new brand, we felt really – presented to the world of here's this new company that that is uh, global in nature, and, and we've been able to, to achieve that. So, I mean, now in, like, uh, some of the brand trackers and, and that in the space, you know, Lenovo is seen as the most global Chinese, um, you know, company that's out there in the marketplace. And really, we've always tried to position ourselves as being a global brand. We're not a Chinese brand. We're not a U.S. brand. We're a global brand. And, you know, our market share now helps to, to you know, define that. Yeah, there's no question about it. Actually, since we were just talking about uh, sort of going into these other categories and trying to come up with sub-brands and so forth, and I know it's not your domain, but in the smartphone business, um, are are you using the Motorola name or are you using the Lenovo name or is there a sub-brand? How, how is that and how did you go about – how was that decision made? Yeah, I mean, right now we're using the uh, the Motorola brand so that we we tag all that with Lenovo as being part of it, but we lead with Motorola uh, because the brand awareness right now on, on that brand is much stronger in the phone space than necessarily what Lenovo is. So for now, we're we're leveraging that as our our lead brand within the phone space. So that makes sense because it's got it's got a strong brand and it's so uh, clearly associated with uh, with cell phones. So that's that's great. Um, let me ask you, since your title is really one of global, um, what's the difference that you find between marketing within the United States versus uh, your marketing outside of the United States? Is there a difference? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, for sure, from a media type that is most successful in, in, uh, across the markets, it varies. So Internet penetration is, of course, one great example that can be a driver of being able to reach different audiences. Um, you know, what what television is available in some of the different markets. So for sure, especially from like an emerging versus mature market, I would see you see quite a bit of differences in, in the marketing that uh, the media mix that works uh, most effectively in those markets. Um, and then it's just also important to be aware of, you know, different cultural 
uh, elements uh, in, you know, so, well, what holiday season are, you know, what buying season are you promoting around is a huge factor of, okay, not everyone, you know, in India, it's uh, Diwali is a huge, you know, is a key yeah. buying season. And so we've got to make sure that we align well with that and the, the messages that are important during that time versus um, in the United States, well, hey, maybe a, a, a Christmas season would be a big buying season for, for some people there. You've got to, you know, understand your different cultures, understand when are their buying season. Back to school, another great one. Very different in Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere. Sure. So it's important to, you know, make sure you understand those different seasons. What are the key reasons for buying during those seasons? And then, of course, the media of how do you, uh, how do you best reach people? Matt, you've got a great job with the number one PC company in the world. So that's fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, you know, we are going to need to take a short break now. But when we come back, we'll take your questions and calls on anything related to marketing, branding, metrics in the last uh, segment of the program. Also, if you have any idea who the sponsors of the World Cup are without cheating, without going online and looking it up, let us know. I want to see if you can even capture what any of those might be. And if you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Or send us an email at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. This is Business Radio powered by the Wharton School on SiriusXM 111. 